Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. We're so glad to be, we? Well, yeah, sure. Shelly and I are both so glad to be here with you today. First of all, thank you guys so much for your kindness last week with the release of Remember God and the way you told your friends. And um, it was just more, more than I could ask for. Y'all are very, very sweet and good friends to me. So thank you for that. If you haven't gotten the book, it's available everywhere. You don't have to wait anymore. And if you want to hear more about it, last Thursday's show titled Remember God is just all about the book. So today on the show is a voice that I love and respect so, so much. And she is just the right person to come on here and um, walk with us and kind of help us through. One of my goals for the next um, season of the show and as we're going forward is to make sure we're having voices that mentor us and lead us. And Shelly Giglio is one of those voices. Shelly and Louie have been important people in my life for, oh gosh, 20 years, 18 years as um, leaders in Atlanta when I was in college in Athens and throughout life and as we've met and share worlds a little bit now. And uh, Shelly has just continued in our times together just to really speak truth to me and life to me. And she's been so loving and kind. And so when I was thinking about who could mentor us and who could talk to us about how we do this thing well, Shelly was one of the first voices I thought of. She has shown me how to remember God truly for who he really is. So I'm so, so honored she's on the show today. So enjoy this conversation with Shelly Giglio. And let me tell you one of the big reasons I wanted you on our show is that um, you have such a wise voice into the generation with you and right below you that I, and you said something to me and I've quoted you 1000 times where you said at that first if gathering that we always prepare for failure, but we never prepare for success. Yeah. And so that's one of the things I would love for you. If you want to jump into that or we can go in easier or whatever you want. No, I'm fine with wherever you go. Yeah. Honestly, I am. If it's not what you want to hear, just keep asking and I'll try to eventually get around (laughs) what you you want me to say. No, no, no. Honestly, if I don't, you know, no, I'll just say, I don't know. I I think that comes with age too, is I just don't really know. But, um, but I w- am happy to talk about and try to talk through anything that you think that would be helpful. Do you think that's true in our faith is that the longer we do it, it's the, there's less that we know. Have you experienced that? Yeah. I feel that every day. Really? I feel like it at my age, you surely should know something, mm-hmm. but I generally every day feel like I'm learning way more than I know. And I think that's a good thing. It keeps you living, yeah. you know, because yeah. if, if you just knew everything and you kind of arrived, I think you would check out. Yeah. So I think it's probably a good thing that that's the way life is, but it, it can be seem like a hard thing too, that golly, like nothing has added up to anything at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have I not done anything <laughs> worth remembering? <laughs> Amazing how that happened. Right. I'm experiencing that where I think, man, if 25 year old Annie would have had a podcast or had, you know, written book, like she yeah. thought she knew everything. Yeah. Well, I think there's a season in your life where you do. And then the longer you live, the real, you realize I really don't know that much. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff for me to learn. And, and I want to be a good learner in life. I really want to learn, um, particularly what God has for me, you know, maybe yeah. not everything about the world and all its complications, but I definitely want to know God. And that's a journey. And that's why people do it to the day they die. So it's exciting. Who has modeled that well for you? Who have you seen like want to know God every day of their life? 
Um, well, I come from an amazing family. And so yeah, my parents, parents seem so sweet when you put them on the internet. Yeah, they're precious and um, really smart, wise people. And I've learned a lot in life from them. They, they're, they're not dramatic. Um, they're very constant. But they just have always been on a trek that I think that they know that there's something available to them in life in God. And mm -hmm. they want to access that. And you know, if they've never made a big deal out of it and they don't talk about it all day long, they just wake up every day and pursue God. So they've been huge models to me. And then Louie's mom is another one. She um, she was a little more dramatic, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, but just followed God with big faith. She had really big faith. And I think, you know, the day we watched her take her last breath, I thought, how amazing for her to step from here to there and to hear God say, way to go, and yeah. that you did it all the way to me. You know, yeah. you didn't just get tired and feel like at some point, well, I just, you know, I am who I am, and all the things that we want to just get to that point, level off, and just be fine with. I feel like she kept pushing toward the things of God her whole life, and I don't know, it just inspires me. That's the kind of person I want to be for sure. How long have you and Louie been in full-time ministry? Oh, my goodness. I mean, Since like I was whole, born, I think. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, I, let's see. We've been married 32 years, which is hard to believe, but it's true. And um, I met Louie about three years before that. And during the three years that I met him and that we were dating, we actually launched our first college ministry. No way. So, While y'all were still dating? Yes. I did not know that. I was a college chump. Like, I didn't even know anything about anything. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, we felt really incredibly called, which is the strangest word. Like even when y'all were dating, you felt called together? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, when I met Louie, and I laugh about it now, but I pretty much knew I was going to marry him from the moment I saw him walk across a, a church. No way. He was, I was, yeah, he, I was at my church in Houston, home church, and he came to be a summer college intern. And I was, of course, dating someone else and, you know, had a couple options in the wings and life was pretty great. You know, mm -hmm. I was 18 years old and I wasn't looking for anybody or anything. And I had basically sort of a lot of fun and was, uh, just finished my freshman year at college and was living the high life. Yeah. And Louie walked across the church and I had never seen anybody like him. And the moment I literally looked at him, I thought, who, who is that? Oh my gosh. What, what, what is the story? I don't understand. What is that story? Yeah. He didn't look like anyone I knew. He didn't act like and walk like anyone I knew. I was like, who is that? Mm. And now, I mean, you know, when I look at him, I still see the same thing. And I understand it now because I've been with him my whole life. Yeah. But at the time, it was so intriguing to me. And so there was a process. I met Louie later that night. And um, I didn't tell him that I loved him and wanted to marry him the moment I met him, but it wasn't <laughs> very long after that. <laughs> oh my gosh, Shelly, I did not know I yeah, so so I I basically played it pretty cool. He he asked me a a pretty innocent question um, when we first met, and he was like, "So, I was a student at Baylor at the time," and he said, "So, what's it like to go to Baylor?" I thought for a second, and I'm such a smart aleck, I can't help it. There's just no way around it. I said, "Well, I don't know. I haven't actually ever been anywhere else." And he said, "I thought." The girls got sass, and that's a good thing. Oh, wow. And um, I said, unfortunately, I don't think you knew what you were signing up for. But so that sort of started a long trek toward 
Um, us not really being able to date in that first year because he was in ministry. Um, unfortunately, one of the college, I mean, I think he was actually a high school pastor. One of the interns the year before had dated all the high school girls. It was super inappropriate. And so, of course, that was not cool. Mm. So we uh, we laid low most of the summer. And by the end of the summer, the pastor of our church at the time had said to all the interns, there were several, like multiple interns. Yeah. Hey, it's not really that cool if you date people here. We really don't want that to be your story for the summer. However, I met my wife when I was an intern. And if there is somebody that you feel really drawn to and that you feel like God is leading you toward, then you come to my office and talk to me. And Louis said he laughed with one of the interns when the guy said it at the beginning of the summer. Uh-huh. He was like, yeah, right. Like, I'm going to be down in his office talking to him. Right. And about two months later, he was down <laughs> Out of his office saying, hey, um, so do you know Shelly Graves? And of course he did. And I'd actually dated one of his sons. And it's he was just a phenomenal man. Yeah. And blessing. And then three years later, actually married us. So, yeah, oh, a pretty wow. strong moment for um, the ways of God over the ways of people. So it was a good, good season. So here's my question as a single Annie who's just casually dating, not like tied my rope around anybody currently. Um, what do I need to look for that? I don't know. I need to look for. Well, you know, I'll be honest. The thing about Lou that I think was so different that I probably couldn't have identified just by looking at him, but you know, somehow sometimes the spirit of God helps you see it. Yeah. Is that the very next week, there are a bunch of, um, college students who in my crew of people who were really going for God, we were, I would say pretty unusual college students. We really wanted to know God and we had um, learned a lot our first year of school and we had felt like that God was knowable if we would just pursue him. Yeah. And so we showed up at the house that Louie was staying with the family for the summer and we showed up at the house and we rang the doorbell. There was about, I think, eight or nine of us. And the woman of the house who he was staying with came to the door, opened the door. We were all standing there and she was like, oh, I I think it's for you. So she's yelling at Louie, Louie, I think there's people at the door for you. And Mm -hmm. he's like, I don't know any people. (laughs) You know, there's no way they're here for me. that's not possible. (laughs) Because I actually have no friends. So, um, but he came to the door and all of us came in. And I can remember distinctly sitting in their foyer and on their steps that went up the stairs um, talking to Louie that day. And basically what we said to him is, we don't want to do skits and we don't want to have ice cream socials. Mm. We want to know God. Is there a way that you can teach us this summer? Yeah. And Louie said, I was, my mouth was on the floor. And I just thought to myself, I don't think I've ever met people like this before. And he said, when I was driving to Houston that summer, all I could think is, God, I just want to know you. And I think when he walked across that church that Sunday, what I actually saw was the difference between knowing about God and having a a reference point for God and a Rolodex in our brain and someone who actually knew God, who actually had spent the time to understand that the God of the universe is knowable to you and me. And, Mm -hmm. And I think the moment I saw him, I saw it. And it's what drew me to him. And yes, he's cute. And yes, he's sweet. And yes, he's talented. But Mostly, I wanted to know God, and I wanted to spend my life with somebody who did too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's most of it, I think. That's it. There you go. And so then y'all have been, so for over 30 years, y'all have been doing ministry full-time. We have. Yeah. I had a real job, you know, when we first got married yeah. because somebody had to pay for it. <laughs> that's right. Um, 
we loved ministering to people, but unfortunately we were broke. So I had a real job. I had a business degree. And so I studied um, marketing and finance. And so I, I worked a few different jobs and um, had a great sort of a career for a season of our life. And, Mm -hmm. and then after a few years of being married, it became super obvious that what God was doing with Louie and I was either going to be the tearing of us relationally or the unifying of us. Yeah. And at some point I woke up one day and just realized that if we kept on the trajectory we were on, we would both be great people doing great things, but they wouldn't be together. Mm. And that eventually that would tear us apart. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I made a really hard decision at that point in my life, given that I was being successful and that I enjoyed it and that I felt like I was really contributing. I decided that the best thing for me to do was to quit. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the day I actually quit. The last day of my job was the first day we signed on a brand new house. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> you know, it's, in Atlanta or still in Texas? We were actually in uh, Waco, Texas at the okay. time. And yeah, scary feeling, all faith, you know, just trusting that God was leading us. Not really any evidence that we could see that it was all going to work out perfectly. Mm-hmm. But just knowing in your heart of hearts that the best thing to do was that. And and so I went for it, and uh, we went for it. And turns out God had a beautiful plan all along. And yeah. it just took our jumping f- to see that He was the rock beneath us. Mm. And it's been awesome. Uh, over time, we've been able to build on that and that faithfulness of God in our lives. And it's been incredible. But obviously, in early stages of life, you don't know all that yet. Right. You don't know that he's going to come through for you time and time and time again. And so you're, you always feel like you're at a big point of risk that um, as an older person in your life, let me just say today, he is faithful Mm. and he will come through for your life. Yeah. How many times have you jumped now? Do you think? (laughs) Oh man. Oh gosh. Um, Hundreds, thousands. I don't know. A lot. Um, One of the bigger ones was when we moved to Atlanta. Louis' dad had been really sick. We'd been living in Texas and his dad had viral encephalitis and he was disabled he never dressed himself, drove himself, played golf again. He was an artist. He never created any art again. It was just a really, really hard season yeah. in life. And he lived like that for seven years. And Louie and I wanted and needed to move to Atlanta to help his mom take care of his dad. We really knew that we could help. Um, but we kept feeling like it wasn't the time. It wasn't the time. And so finally, God released us. We started moving to Atlanta. And once we did, his dad died of a heart attack. Mm. How soon? Literally. Literally the month before we were supposed to arrive in Atlanta. Oh, gosh, Shelly. We had transitioned ministry. We had given all of our stuff to people to lead on in our absence. We had really prepared ourselves over the last few months to make this big move. And all of a sudden, the reason that we thought we were moving for was gone. And I mean, Louie and I looked at each other like, we have lost it. Yeah. We have A, that was 10 years of life and ministry that we had put into somewhere that basically we handed away. <laughs> You know, that seems mm-hmm. smart. Yeah. And then we were standing on the precipice of not having any reason to be in Atlanta, really besides just family. His family still lived here, obviously, but not really understanding what our purpose was. Right. But we went ahead and moved and followed and But you jumped. like knew. You knew that still that's what the Lord had said, even though it didn't make sense anymore. Yeah. And we really didn't have a lot of options. Yeah. You know, we couldn't really go back. And I think God knew we couldn't go back. I think yeah. God got us to the point where we couldn't turn around and just go to what something's safe. Hmm. He actually let us go all the way out on the limb and then just said, I obviously know the timing of your dad's death. Yeah. I obviously understand all the complications to that. 
you don't. So right. come on out here. And once you get out here, some things are going to change, but don't worry, I've got you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was definitely our story in that season. And we went ahead and moved to Atlanta. And that was the start of a lot of amazing things here. Um, looking back, wow, so clear. Yeah. Obviously, God. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that God was doing that. At the time, wow, we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We were nervous and freaked out. Yeah. But God comes through. And that's just one more, I think, testimony to the way he does it. So I was on the phone this morning with my assistant and I just said, even this week, I just feel like the Lord is telling me to do something that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I said to her, I mean, this, this feels like he's not telling me why he's just telling me what to do. Yeah. And, and, and it is just this moment of like, so what happens, Shelly, if I'm wrong, what happens if I do this jump and I'm wrong? Yeah. Well, I say if we're wrong, we're wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? And God will cover us in the, even in that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much fear built into our decisions these days of even people who really desperately want to follow God of what if it doesn't work out. Yeah. And you know what? Stuff doesn't always work out. So please don't hear me say today, boy, if you follow God, then every single thing that you want in life is going to come to be. That That's not my experience. My experience is that even in the situations where you get to the other side and you think, God, this feels awkward and hard, God is with you. Right. And I love that um, that when it talks in Psalm 23 about walking through the shadow of, of, of death, he basically says, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you're you're... A, it's through, so you're not going to the shadow of death. You're not. We're not just walking to something and it's a dead end. Yeah. We're actually walking through something, which people need to remember today. Mm-hmm. But the key to the whole statement is that God is with us. Mm-hmm. And so if it, if it doesn't work out, if something doesn't come to pass, if it doesn't work out exactly like we thought it would, it's still okay yeah. because the God of creation of the universe is standing right with us in that moment too. Yeah. And that's the comfort that we need to get us through every big decision every difficult change, everything that we're in right now that feels uncomfortable and stretching and hard, um, I have to remember that I'm doing it with God. Yeah. And when I do, somehow it just brings comfort to my soul. Yeah. I, I said to her, I said to Eliza this morning, I was like, well, I mean, if this doesn't work, the Lord's not going to let me lose my house. Well, you know what? He might. I was like, yeah. actually, I mean, there, are, there are no guarantees, yeah, right? There's no I promise know. that this will be, that, that yeah. he'll go, well, thanks for obeying. And even though you are wrong, I'm still going to let you keep your house you bought. I'm like, no, that's, yeah. that's not a promise either. I no. just got to jump because I think I hear him. But I also think God doesn't really call us to do, you know, craziness a lot. Right. Sometimes it doesn't add up and make sense, but most of it isn't completely illogical. That's right. And the way I try to align it, and I know this is your heart too, is just to put it in the word and see like people did crazy stuff in the word, mm-hmm. like crazy stuff. Like, are you kidding? You left your whole family and you moved around for all you right. were like a nomad. Like right. what? I mean, you know, Isaiah so it, was naked for three years. Yeah. Like, I mean, what? it's not unusual for to look back at people's lives in the scripture and go like, that didn't really make sense at the time until you can see it in its full context. Yeah, and yeah. then you're like, oh, okay, I can get it now. Yeah. And it's easier, obviously, for us to see. And I just think there are things in our life that are like that. They don't all add up and they don't make perfect sense, but we do feel God's leading us to do it. But I also say, lay it in there and see how it feels mm-hmm. with what God, who God's character is. Yeah. And if it's within his character, like, yeah, I could see him doing that or asking me to do that. Yeah. Then I think that sometimes we can have a better better alignment with that stuff. Yeah. Tell me, um, like I was mentioning earlier, you 
said to me a few years ago how much people plan for failure, but they don't plan for success. Because even in my yeah. head with this new thing that I feel like the Lord's kind of pushing me toward, not even pushing me toward, inviting me to, I yeah. go like, okay, if this doesn't go well and I lose my house, who am I moving in with? You know? yeah. But hey, so what you is come it? down here if you want to. Listen, thank you. I would. Yeah, always welcome. Thank um, you. You know, I, sometimes it's just from living a long time, but I've watched a lot of people who are on the precipice of something amazing. Mm. And most of what their energy goes to in that time period is planning for it to fail. Yeah. And I just would like to help people understand if we would spend the same energy trying to ensure its success, because you're going to spend energy one way or the other. Right. But if we would spend the energy that we have, if we would spend whatever that is toward, I think this is going to work. I think God is doing this. I believe he is calling me in this direction. I believe it's going to come through. What am I going to do when it works? Yeah, yeah. What am I going to do then? Because what if it does work? Yep. What if we plant a church and it works? <laughs> right. Not, not. hey, we're going to plant this church, but I already know it's going to be hard and it's probably not going to work and most people's doesn't work out. Yep. All that's true. Yeah. But I don't think I'm standing here because, because God didn't think it was going to work. I think yeah. I'm standing here because he knows it will. Yeah. And so I can either spend my energy one way or the other. I can plan for its defeat. And, and cushion myself and prepare myself for the fall and look for everything to hold on to and always be in a defensive position. Mm-hmm. Or I can say, God is God and I believe he can do it. Yeah. And I'm going to stand in as though he will do it yeah. so that I can be prepared for when he does, this is what I believe he'll lead us toward next. Yeah. And I think that's the way God's positioned the people of God is to stand on that kind of faith and confidence. Mm-hmm. And I would just invite all of us into planning for things to work so that we are prepared when they do and we can be the leaders that we should be in those moments. Why haven't you written that book yet, Shelly? That's the book. Oh, man, it's on the list. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's on the list. Oh, my gosh. I love it so much. I know. And uh, so I'll tell you the thing I wrestle with about this is I'm kind of a futurist. And so I can go like, oh, here's this. Here's what it's going to look like if it goes incredibly well. I can do that with work or relationships or what's going on at church or whatever. And then sometimes when I get disappointed or when it doesn't go exactly the way I pictured, I can, I have to wrestle down disappointment. Yeah. Maybe more extremely. Well, one of the hardest things in life is when things don't go the way we think, you know, I mean, I feel like, uh, we spend a lot of time in desperate places because we're just disappointed. Yeah. It's like, well, I didn't think I was going to work like out like this. I, I, I assumed this relationship would work. I didn't assume it wouldn't, and so now I'm just crushed. Um, I think that's a reality. We all live in it, and I think it is difficult. I think if we can keep ourselves so close to God that literally, when He flexes a muscle and moves a direction, we know it. Yeah. If we can good. literally align ourselves so closely to His heart and what we see in His eyes which is compassion and care for us. Mm -hmm. He's never looking at it with us with disdain. Like, I can't take these people. They're so dumb. He's looking at us like, bless them. You know, look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like if we can, we can see that and feel him when he, when he moves a direction or when he even flexes towards something, then we're better prepared to deal with whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And it may not always be what we assumed it would be. A lot of my life hasn't worked out the way I thought, like a lot of my life. Which is so interesting because I think people from the outside would look and think that the Giglios had done everything they wanted to do. Yeah. Oh, wow. Gosh. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I know the science. Let me think of the word. No. No. (laughs) Um, 
there's a lot of things in my life that aren't the way I saw them. You know, I thought we'd have four kids and um, there's just things in life that don't play the way you assume they will. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that God is not God of your life. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan that's better for your life. And I think for me, there was a point in my life where I could have uh, basically been in crisis and lived in disappointment and depression and everything that goes with it for the next season of my life because it didn't work out the way I thought. Right. Or I could embrace the God who was standing on the other side of my disappointment and say, you know what? You already knew this. Yeah. And that means you have a beautiful plan for me that doesn't involve this. So what is it and how can I be a part of that plan? And when I turned my face toward God in those moments, I never looked back because I didn't have to live with the disappointment. I got to live with the creator and he was writing something the whole time I was with him. And even though it wasn't what I assumed he was writing, it was beautiful. And so instead of missing out on it because of my disappointment, I decided to embrace him and man, it, it paid off in my life and I believe it will in all of ours if we can just get ourselves to that point of trust. And y'all are so good at, from what I know of my actual friends whose lives you're in. And from what I see, y'all are really good at loving other people's kids. Was that an intentional choice? Like, okay, we're not, we don't have children, but we have mom and dad energy in our bodies. And so we will love other people's kids really well. Yeah, I love the ability to love other people's kids. You know, it's one thing when kids- Me too. uh, when they grow up in life and feel like, well, these are my parents or this is my aunt and uncle, and of course they have to love me, mm-hmm. versus these people don't have to make time for me. These yeah. people don't have to come over and show me that they care for me. These people don't have to hug me every day and tell me that they love me. They yeah. choose to do that. And when you have people in your life, I think as a parent, who aren't there because they have to be, but are there because they choose to be. Mm -hmm. And when you have people in kids' lives who can give that kind of unconditional love to them, it's Mm -hmm. a gift. And so I want to help not necessarily parent with my parent friends. I'd love for them to parent and me just to support them. Yeah. yeah. But I I do want to show up for them in a way that their kids know, hey, you're valued, not by all the people that just have to love you because you're in their family, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but by those who can just choose to love you. And that speaks, I think, of a different kind of love. Yeah, I... It's one of, it's become one of my very favorite things is loving other people's kids. Yeah. It is just the most fun. Cause, cause you're right. We don't have to parent them. Like I don't have to make them into a person. I yeah, just the get best to feeling love is the world is walking out when you're, you know, you just gave them something really loud to play with. That's right. Or, you know, when you basically caused chaos and everybody's chasing each other and then you just walk out the door and say, see you later. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> They're all just standing there in chaos. Like, bye. That's right. <laughs> like I'm, I'm never the first face they see in the morning. Never. I love like it. I, 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 I sleep till I want to sleep, but it's been such, I mean, you've modeled that so beautifully for me. You're one of the people that I've really looked to, to go like, Oh, oh this is what it looks like to love other families really well. And, well, thank you. and it's a gift to them, but it's a gift to me too. Like, yes, I agree. I, I am so filled up by my friend's kids Yeah, and it it's makes a beautiful it thing, the way it works. And yeah. I think it's, it's part of that picture of the kingdom of God, and it's just bigger than one family unit. Mm-hmm. And when you love Jesus, you have everything in common with a lot of people. Yeah. And I think when you can just capitalize on that as a way of being in each other's lives, mm-hmm. there's so much benefit that comes from it from both directions. Yeah. And um, I have people that I've walked through really hard things with that often say to me, thank you. You'll never know what this means to me. 
And my return to that is you will never know what it means to me. Yeah. Yeah. To stand in your life and to watch God come through is the greatest thing I could have ever done in my yes, life. Yes. So it's my joy, not just a joy for you. It's actually my joy as well. Yeah. I I literally, a friend texted me the other day and said, you know, we had walked through something really hard. And he said, thank you so much for walking that day with me. And I was like, and the yeah. first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, I'm, I felt so honored yeah. that we were doing that, that I was the yeah. one you invited. To, like, thank you for letting me. I don't know yeah. what to do here. <laughs> I, agree. No, I agree. It works both ways. It's beautiful. This podcast is brought to you today by Fuller Seminary. Ministry looks different than it did even like 10 years ago. And Fuller prioritizes an innovative, forward-looking environment where students and faculty can explore the intersections of work and theology and encourage one another in their callings. So to support this collaboration, Fuller is now offering the Catalyst Scholarship to select incoming Master of Divinity students for winter 2019. Recipients will receive a discount of 50% off tuition during their first year of study at Fuller. This new scholarship supports the theological education and spiritual formation of innovative, collaborative students who want to be a part of a diverse and inspiring learning community. For more information, go to fuller.edu slash catalyst. That's fuller.edu slash catalyst. Okay, so Atlanta is where I grew up, as you know. And I love it. I know. I love Go the Falcons. ATL. Go Falcons. Man. Come and, on. They won a game. I'm just thrilled. I'm, I'm ready thrilled. for something. Yeah. I know. Let's and do y'all have going. guys that are, do y'all have guys at Passion City, the y'all's church that are Falcons? I would assume We have so. a few people around. Yeah. yeah. We have some Hawks and some Falcons and some people that, um, yeah, are around our community. And um, I know our team does. I think uh, one of the pastors on our team did chapel for them. Yeah. Maybe that's why they won, Shelly. I think it probably was related. I didn't want to like draw that direct line, but yeah, you know how I I'll feel draw about it. that. I'm, I'll yeah, okay. draw that line. <laughs> I'm so yeah, proud to do so that. we won because he did chapel. So yeah, I'll just say that. That's right. And then, that's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. And no, it's a it's an honor, you know, that anybody that's in professional sports like that, man, what an honor to get to serve their life yeah. and and to point them to something more important than themselves and. I think when you're uh, on a platform as big as you are and you're getting paid the kind of money you get paid, it's real confusing sometimes mm -hmm. as to actually what your role is. And it's a joy to point them to somebody that's bigger than themselves. Yeah, so. that's an interesting. One of the things I know about Passion City is y'all see people choose Christ a lot, like literally make the choice to go from yes. not knowing him to inviting him into their lives. And something my pastor at Crosspoint said last week, we have a prayer meeting from 11 to 12 on Tuesdays. It's kind of open to anybody. And he said, just, I love that. it's awesome, Shelly. Next time y'all are in Nashville on a Tuesday, you just need to drop in. Cause it I is, would love to be a part of that. It's that really fun. It's really, it, it, it's my favorite hour of the week. And so it, it's just really I fun. Um, but this week he, when he was praying, he just said, we want to be a house of prayer and a hospital. Like we want to be right. a place where, and, and as a human, I, w I connect with that so much because I, I want to be as fully committed to God and know him as well as I can. But also I want anyone to feel like they, they're comfortable being friends with me. Yeah. You know, I think that we can lower the walls of church um, so much by just seeing the people that want to be at church. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of people on stages who are just 
looking at crowds and not at people. Oh gosh. Yeah. And it's confusing because it looks like, well, all these people here must know everything and they're here because they know and follow God and they're just on the trek. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, some of and some of them don't yet know anything about what we're talking about. They don't know all the spiritual words. They're not trying to say all the right things. They don't know how to pray. They don't know what any of that means and they need us to help them understand it. And it's such a privilege week after week after week to see those people. And to actually talk to them in a way that I think makes sense to them mm-hmm. and to describe God in such a way that they can actually get a hold of him. And then to watch them walk, you know, from a place of death to a place of life. And, you know, what's true today is that God didn't come to make us better. And somehow Christianity has got this band-aid mentality of, hey, you're pretty good, but if we put this on you, you're going to be great. Mm-hmm. And the truth is we're dead. Right. We're actually dead in right. our sin. That's right. what scripture says about us. And so what we need is not a band-aid. What we need is life. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus is life. And he's willing to offer that to us if we just give people the opportunity for it. And so our church, you know, we teach scripture. We teach how to grow up and look like Jesus. That's what we want Christians to become. That's what we're all trying to become. But at the same time, we don't want to ever lose touch with the people who don't yet know Jesus. And we spend a lot of energy going back and trying to grab and look at people who just need a touch from God. So it's a beautiful combination of the two here at Passion City. It's awesome. How did y'all find the balance? Is it, are you still finding it? Like that's, that's what I want. Well, to we're not say. balanced. I've yeah. never used that word because I know it's not true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. We're the worst balanced people in life ever. Um, but I do think we, I think it's honestly just looking at who you're talking to. Mm. And I feel like, for whatever reason, a lot of people don't look up. Yeah. And I think when we do, we see all kinds of people and we talk in such a way that hopefully people can understand. Mm-hmm. And it's not really that we're trying to strike a balance so much as we're actually just trying to meet people's needs and lead yeah. them closer to Jesus every step of the way. Yeah. And if people come to church on a Sunday, um, hopefully they'll leave church on Sunday knowing him better. Yeah. And yeah, maybe that step yeah. is, I don't know him at all. I don't even know who he is. And I'm just taking a step toward what, who is that? Yeah. Or maybe it's, I've known him all my life, but I have the ability to know him more today. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of all over the spectrum, but I think we can talk in such a way that helps both people. And at Passion City, y'all have a wall that says Jesus is life. That's made of light we bulbs. Do. Yeah, we do. Okay, yeah. T- we just who thought of that. Wall. Tell me that idea. I love it so much. Well, we have a team of people that work on amazing things around here, and they're all brilliant. Yeah. So um, I think at some point we were discussing the idea that the church should be winsome, mm. that there shouldn't be a a posture of piety or, hey, we know everything, and these are all the collection of people that know everything, and then you're obviously not here. Right. We wanted to say to people, hey, we really don't know everything. We know some things about God, and we're happy to share them with you. But we invite you in to learn with us. And the way that we just kind of reminded ourselves that we are a winsome church is by putting up this huge, I mean, it's a ginormous thing in our oval that just had a bunch of light sockets in it. And the light socket spelled out Jesus's life, but there were no bulbs in the light socket. And then we took bulbs and all of us would start praying for friends of ours that we knew needed to know Christ. And we spent months and months praying and inviting people and we saw people got, got invited from all kinds of different streams. And then people would just show up at church who didn't yet know. Yeah. And as those people came to Christ, they had the ability to put a light bulb on the wall. And not all of them did, 
but many, many of them did. And there were like 2,265 sockets or something in this Jesus's life wall. And that wall is completely full of sockets because we had faith to believe that God could save people and that he wanted actually to use our lives to do that. And yeah. It's, what about the weeks where there weren't any light bulbs? How long? I mean, that has to be, that's such a brave, like we're believing 2,300 people will at yeah. some point make a choice to follow Jesus. But here. I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier. You can believe that it will happen or you can believe that it won't. Yeah. And so you can put it up, you can put it up and brace for, oh my gosh, what are we going to do when this isn't full in five years? Right, right. You know, how embarrassing everybody's going to walk in and be like, that thing's still there. Um, or you can put it up and say, we believe that God has a plan and we believe that he is including us in his plan of reaching Atlanta. Mm. And what a beautiful thing for us to be able to trust him in this way. Yeah. And I just think when you approach things as though it will work, you're amazed to watch God make it work. Yeah. And there's nothing we could have done to fill those light sockets. You know, I guess we could have just filled it with a bunch of us. But right. We couldn't could just lied. <laughs> we couldn't <laughs> fake it. You know, right. it had to happen. And then we had to ask God for it. And then we had to trust him that he could deliver. Yeah. And man, what a beautiful thing to watch him do it. And we're already thinking about the next one. You know, yeah, I was going to say, are y'all going to, are y'all going to empty it out? Oh yeah. Over? There's all kinds of conversations about what's next and nobody knows exactly yet what that is, but yeah, there'll be another vision of that because I believe that it, it's such a good picture for us. Even as you walk into our church to be reminded that, Hey, this isn't, j this is a hospital. Yeah. Just what you said earlier. This is a hospital for people who need healing. Yeah. And so this isn't all perfect people who drop their kids off and this is great and we all look great and everything's working out. Mm -hmm. This is actually a place where people can find the healing that they need. Yeah. I think that's why people are drawn to Passion City because the, the area y'all are in is an area where everybody can show up looking good, right? Like, Yeah. You know, we, we live in that in between. Passion City Church, the actual building or the main building, we have multiple campuses now, but the main building at 515 and what we call it um, is... A mile from Buckhead, which is mm -hmm. poshy posh, and a mile from Midtown, which is not not right. Um, it has. We used to have thirty-four different spas and uh, inappropriate businesses right around the corner wow. from where our churches. So it's it's not polished and clean and right and perfect. It's actually an invitation to the people everywhere to be a part and. Um, I think what's cool about it is that it sits right between, and I have always believed the kingdom of God is about people sharing their life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the rich can give up their stuff and the poor can be fed. And uh, sometimes the poor teach us more about what it means to truly live than anybody who has funds will ever know. Right. And so it's beautiful to watch that church happen on all fronts. What are you seeing God do in Atlanta? Man, he is opening up Atlanta in a fresh way. I'm, uh, especially among women. I think that's obviously, you know, that's my heartbeat yeah. here. We have a gathering once a month where we just draw women in and try to inspire us to what it looks like to live for the glory of God. I and mean, every friend of mine from different corners of Atlanta posts about going to the Grove. It blows oh, I love my it. mind. It is unbelievable. It is, is mind-blowing to watch God uh, assemble His people. Yeah. And not just bring us in for inspiration and challenge, but then to send us out as light yeah. into every literally every area of Atlanta. And I just, one day I said, I wish we could have like lights that turn on inside of us so that we could actually see on a map where all of us end up going in an average week. It's got to be mind blowing mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. this light is being spread. Yeah. And 
think it's just beautiful to be a part of that. So yeah, yeah I think God's opening up some pretty amazing things in Atlanta these days. And it feels like a distinct honor to get to be a part of that. It does. I mean, from a distance, but from, you know, living there for the first 20 plus years of my life, it feels like God's doing something new there. I think he is. You know, it's hard to say sometimes what God's doing. I I want to let him write the story. Yeah. And sometimes I don't even want to just put the words in his mouth like, here's what I think you're doing. Right. <laughs> this is what I think you're doing. He's like, well... I'm actually God, so I'm going to let mm. you let me think about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. I'm careful about what I say, but there is a fresh awakening around here to the church and to our role. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a new sense of there's a whole world that needs to know that they have a Savior, and we're on mission. We're not yeah. just floating around life awakened and alive, but we're actually on mission. And I feel like that's coming to pass in these days in Atlanta. And I, I love it. I love being a part of a very alive group of people. And um, Passion City is that, but so are a lot of churches here. There's a lot of places where God is truly at work. And um, and it's it's an honor just to be one of them. You know, it's, it's a really great thing to be a part of the kingdom of God. What made you start The Grove? Uh, it had to be God because I don't do women's ministry. <laughs> <laughs> and not like, I mean, and you don't have oh, the bandwidth, man. right? I mean, you have a full-time, you run six-step records, right? I have a few full-time jobs yeah. and I love them all and I'm very grateful for them. Um, yeah, I think the Grove was simply obedience, if you want to know the truth. Yeah. It's nothing I dreamed of. It's not anything I really thought. Well, God, I just long to bring women together. I think God just said, I see a need. And I know that I've equipped you to deal with and lead that. Mm. And so I'm asking you to do it. And I struggled. I was like, I'll do a lot of stuff. I think I've proven that. Uh, You know, I'm pretty available to you, God. But I don't know if I can do this Mm -hmm. or if I even want to. Yeah. And um, somewhere along the way, I had to die to what I wanted and I had to obey. And I decided that if I would go for it, I felt like God would, would meet me in that. And certainly it hasn't been a perfect road. It's been ups and downs and struggles and hardships, but we're starting our sixth year. And, oh you know, gosh. last Monday night, there were 3,600 women in this building crammed in every corner no and every way. overflow. It's unbelievable what God is doing. And Do you have parking some, for 3,600 people? No. Yeah, heavens those women no. are not coming in packs of four. I mean, some of them we are. We don't have parking for already, most of them. Right. We figured we have decks and we shuttle people and... We put people in adjacent parking lots and they walk around long corners and <laughs> they come from literally four corners and we just cram them into spaces that they overflow out of. Mm. But I think we call them to something higher than themselves. And it's just like what we were talking about earlier. If you put something before them that's bigger than them, it's something that we all reach for. It's a beautiful thing to watch people stretch in that way. And Man, our city is alive, and yeah. women women are are taking their places, not just outside of the church. You know, there was 25 years ago, we weren't really allowed to do anything in the church, so all the women took their places outside the church. Yeah. But now I see women taking their places within the church. And when that starts happening and our lives are lit up by the glory of God, there yeah. is no stopping what's happening here. Yeah, so, I, I that's a beautiful um, way to explain it, is that there was— what women have always known is in us wasn't necessarily welcome in the church. Yeah. And so they went out. Yeah, I think 
there was a there was a healthy fear for a season that women would be inappropriately leading places or doing things that were not um, honoring to God, mm-hmm. and and so we just pushed everyone outside to say, I, we do recognize that you have gifts, but you've got to use them elsewhere. Yeah. And what a travesty that was. Yeah. What a breakdown in the family of God that was, and because we desperately need every gift and every person who has one to build up the kingdom. And I think it's such a beautiful day because people are being invited back in to places that they never imagined they would be or stand or lead. And I think God's name is being built in a beautiful way in these days because of that. So I love being a tiny, tiny speck of that um, on earth today. I mean, that's very sweet of you, Shelley, but you are not a tiny speck. I'm very tiny speck. Such a big influence. I mean, you know, I've told you this before, but. I was the 20-year-old college student sitting at 722 driving from Athens, it. Georgia to hear Louis Giglio speak in 19 or 2000 or 99, you know. Beautiful. So, so y'all are not y'all are not a tiny speck. One of the things I really hope hap- I mean I I can't have any prediction about my life, but I hope when I get married that my husband and I partner in ministry like you and Louis do in some way. Like I hope that it's like a tag team thing. That just yeah. seems really fun to me. And so if it's if that's not how it goes down, I'll be totally fine. But that just seems really fun to me. How have y'all how have y'all made that work? How have you figured oh, out man. who does what? Is it just trial and error all the time? Oh yeah. Yeah, we fail a lot at that. Um but it's beautiful. You know, I think I mentioned that season in my life where it was real obvious to me that if if we kept going in separate directions, that we would end up in different places. And it seems obvious if you look at a map and you get on the wrong freeway and you go a long ways on there, then obviously you're not close to where you thought right. you were going. Right. And and so that's that's a trajectory in life thing that at some point we all have to assess. We have to look up and go, what road am I on and where does it go? Mm-hmm. And then we have to say, well, is this the road I want to be on? Right. <laughs> and is this the place I want to end up? And then if we don't, we have to change roads. Yep. And for me in my life, that was a real dramatic moment in my life. It was so clear. I looked up one day and said, I'm going down. An, and it's a great road. It's beautiful. It's paved. It's smooth. It seems like everything's working out. So well, I wasn't on a bumpy, horrible road. I was right. actually on a really good road. I just ended up in a place that was different than where Louie was going to be. Yeah. And I didn't want to end up you know, 400 miles away. Right. So the way I change that is by changing roads. And so I think for some people, sometimes they can't quite figure it out. How do you guys do this? You know, I choose this. Yeah. That's how we do this. And does Louie do that too? Are there places where Louie gave up his road? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a two way street with both of us. And I don't, you know, I, I would like to say and think that I outgive Louie all the time. Um, and he might even say at times that I do, but it's not the truth. The truth is we all sacrifice. When you're in a relationship with people, you decide that you're going to make their life and your life together with them more important than your own. Mm. And so it costs you. Of course it does. I would prefer to do it this way or have this or do it like this or end up here. But I'll choose because I'm in life with you to do it differently. So everyone makes sacrifices in that way. But I think when you choose to do the road together, there certainly are challenges. You know, for us, we live together and work together. That's a lot. Right. That's it's a all, lot. Every I'm, hour. I'm, I'm not going to lie and say, well, that's not that hard. No, it's hard. Yeah. Um, but it's beautiful. And, you know, I've chosen in life, and this is a really interesting conversation, and maybe sometime we can have it about women, but I think, you know, we have a, a thing within us that knows that in the family unit, we don't lead the family. Yeah. 
that we stand behind the person who leads the family. Yeah. And that's not popular today. That doesn't sell things today. People don't want to hear that conversation today, but it's true. Yeah. I am with you on that. I, and I'm a woman like you who gets on stages and preaches to men and women, but I, yeah, I'm I mean, with I've you on had, that. I've had every opportunity to lead things in front of people, but I know where I sit mm-hmm. and I know what my role is mm-hmm. and I choose it every day. And I don't always agree with Louie. I don't always think he's doing the right thing, but I have decided that I will support him. And because of that, and certainly I speak my mind and anyone who knows me knows I'm not silent about what I think. But at the same time, I think in a partnership, you also understand that you're not the leading edge. Mm -hmm. And I understand that in my life. And I have chosen to sit behind him as a way of supporting him. And with that comes a lot of power because it's the way God designed it. Yeah. And Sometimes I do it broken. Sometimes I do it crying. Sometimes I do it wishing it were different. But when I do it, God's wind of power comes behind our life because it's the way he designed it. Yeah. And so if anything good has come from our life, it's only because we've said yes to the plans of God. Mm. That's the only reason. And um, I think everybody has that opportunity today in some way to choose that. Yeah. So what would that look like for me? Can you think of a way, like as someone because there are a handful of people who listen who are single that want to be married. And so the married men and women who are listening can go, okay, here's how we can plug that advice into our lives. But for single men and women who are listening, what does it look like for me to get ready for that? Well, one of the things that you have the opportunity to do today that, that a lot of people who are already married don't have the choice on is to pre-decide a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Almost everyone's life. I know that I respect the most didn't decide big things while they were in them. They decided them before they got there. Yeah. And I think you have bandwidth right now in your life, Annie, and in the people's lives who you say are single, that you have as friends and that people that you know. I know a ton of people who are not yet married who would long to be. But I feel like they have such an incredible opportunity, and you do too, to decide this is the way I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to put my life toward. This is the things I'm going to believe God for. This is the breakthrough that I'm going to strive for personally. These are the things I'm going to pre-decide before I'm ever standing in a difficult or challenging situation relationally. This is what I'm going to be like. Mm -hmm. And I think when we do that and we start building that support underneath those decisions before we ever have to make them, then when we do make them, we're standing on a lot stronger place. Yeah. And so I would just encourage you, don't sit back and just wait. Oh, now I'm in a relationship. Now I have to start deciding all this stuff. Pre-decide. Yeah. Decide right now. Get in the Word and figure out what God has to say about that stuff mm-hmm. and set it deep in your heart so that when you're standing in those moments, you're ready. Yeah. Okay. Done. You're the boss of me, Shelly Giglow. You know that. You tell That's me and I'll crazy. do it. Um, okay. When we started, you said you had topics too. Is there anything we didn't cover that you were like, this is what I, I have need no to talk idea. About? <laughs> I loved every second of everything we've like, talked what about. I, uh, whatever Shelly wants to talk about, I'm in. You're beautiful. Well, I think, um, let me just say this about you, Annie. Um, I've watched your life and I know a lot of people, obviously, Atlanta, who know you even better than I do. And I love you watching you be a vulnerable leader. Um, It's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see when people don't have life perfected, but still stand before people in brokenness and in challenge and say, I trust my God. 
And I watch you do that every day. I watch your Insta stories and they make me laugh until <sighs> I cry. Thanks. They're so, so funny and so profound. And the combination is life. Wow. You know, everything is pretty funny. If you stand back and actually look mm -hmm. at it, it's all pretty hilarious. Yeah. But it's also profound because you are basically living in a way that I think gives people access to non-perfect, non-polished way of living. And it's it's not easy, but it's beautiful. And so I just wanted to say personally, thank you for living that way and for teaching a generation of people that you don't have to clean yourself up and get yourself all right before you can go to God, that you can actually live in relationship with God in a way that shows brokenness, shows failure, shows disappointment, and yet shows the faithfulness of God. And I think you do that beautifully. Yeah. So thank you. Oh, you're really kind, Shelly. Thank you for that. That means a lot. It's true. Man, coming from you. Yeah, I mean, that means a lot to me because there are a couple of voices that I'm like, okay, when when I when the biggest decisions come, here's the phones I'm calling, you know? <laughs> and wow, here are the people who, who I will step in, let really say the the real thing. So I'm grateful. Um, hey, the last question we always ask, and then I'll let you go back to your Atlanta life is because the show's called That Sounds Fun, I always ask, what sounds fun to you? So what do you and Louie do for fun? Wow. Um, well, we don't golf. No. Um, so it's not enough. Auburn football. Um, we I know that. Louie does a lot of Auburn football. He is a very committed fan and has had the honor of sort of uh, helping chaplain the team and sort of lead those guys. And wow, like I said earlier, there's nothing I think more humbling than being with a, a team and helping them come together and unite and then to go after a common goal, but also teach them that their life matters to God and that they actually are seen for more than just what they can do on the field. Mm -hmm. And um, so he has the honor of doing that. So he's a big believer in that. And, you know, by marriage, I am too then, of yep. course. <laughs> I really, uh, I grew up in Texas with uh, Baylor and, you know, University of Texas football, that kind of thing. So I've always been a fan, but um, now we are Auburn, of course, through and through. Um, but other things we, we love to be together. We are, we're adventurers, both yeah. of us have very high adventure emotions. And so we spend a lot of our life on adventure together. Um, we just spent a few days in California for, we take a little Sabbath break around here, which is another unusual subject, but yeah, no, uh, talk Passion about City it. actually, yeah, Passion City doesn't meet for two weeks every August. Um, the whole church does not meet. We do not gather. And we basically take Sabbath together because we believe that if we stop and rest and remember what God has done, that it will bind us to him for future. Mm. And if we don't, if we just keep moving at the pace that we might, might, might get confused yeah. and think that it's actually us that's doing the building. Yeah. And y'all also take off the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, right? We do. Yeah. yeah that's I mostly that. related to conference and just leaning yep. into conference days that first part of January. But yeah, we're just committed to following God, even if it looks kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And I don't know too many churches that take Sabbath breaks, but no, for us, it's I really a it. gift. And so y'all went to California? We were kayaking. <laughs> um, we did a lot of just that kind of um, activity. We did a lot of walking and running and just being outside. Something about 70 degrees and perfect helps oh. you want to do that. Um, so it definitely had a good effect on us for a couple of weeks time and just gives us a little vantage point that's different than our normal mm -hmm. day to day. So very mm -hmm. helpful, very encouraging, and I feel inspired and ready for the fall. Yeah. It's How much does physical activity matter in your life? We're both pretty active. Yeah. yeah we like, we like life and, um, all that goes with it. So yeah, we're, yeah. I'd say we're pretty active people. We don't, we don't do a lot of sitting around. Yeah. No, I just don't have time. 
It just feels no. like I don't have time to sit around. No. If I'm going to be the Annie I want to be. People are always telling me about Netflix shows. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll tell me like, you need to watch this show. And I'm like, okay. And I'm pretty committed to that because somebody recommended it. But yeah. for the most part, we don't waste a lot of time doing that kind of stuff. We yeah. just, it's not our, I don't know. I just think we have, we're more on mission than that. And yeah. it's, it doesn't mean good. Netflix is bad. Yeah. It, it doesn't. And it doesn't mean anything we do in life is bad. It just means that when you have purpose in your life, you want to make sure that you're accomplishing your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what drives me every day. And everything else is bonus. Right. You know, so if I get to watch all that stuff or I get to be at home, I love it. I yeah. love home. Um, so it's not that I don't want to be there. It's just that I feel like I'll have a calling on my life that I want to make sure that I fulfill yeah. here on earth. Yeah. Me too, Shelly. You're teaching me how to do it. Yeah. So I'm I grateful. Thank you. You're amazing, Annie. Thanks oh. for the privilege today. Well, thank you, Shelly. It was really kind of you to do this. I'm really grateful. You're an important voice to me. So I'm thankful, thankful. Man, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. I'm just sitting here after that conversation, um, thanking God all over again that we do not have to do this alone, that we are a village and that we have men and women and generations all around us, above us, next to us and below us that can speak life into what we're doing. And Shelly has done that. I, I mean, literally how laughable for her to say she's just a small, small part of the kingdom. I'm like, girl, get out of here. How many of us, I mean, really, how many of us could see the hand of God moving in our lives because of how he has used Louie or Shelly Giglio. So if you get a chance, remember a couple of months ago, we had my pastors, Tom and Melissa Tanner on. And one of the things that happened after that show is a lot of people reached out to Tom and Melissa and just said, thank you for their investment in our lives. And so if Shelly and Louie have invested in your life, like they have mine, why don't you just tweet them or leave an Instagram comment just today to thank them for their um, commitment to the church and commitment to God and how that has modeled something for you. So if, if their music or books or sermons or presence on the planet has impacted you, why don't you tell them today? Um, Louie and Shelly are both incredibly easy to find on the internet, just like me. Um, Louie is Louie Giglio. Shelly is Shelly Giglio. And I am Annie F. Downs. I'm the only one who's got to throw that middle initial in there. So if you need any of us, we're embarrassingly easy to find. So just please reach out to them and thank them for how they have led us. They have led our generation. And I will forever be thankful for their voices corporately and, and their voices personally in my life. So I'm really, really thankful. If you um, get a chance and you want to share this with a friend, that is one of the best ways to help the podcast get into new ears and to make sure that people are hearing these conversations that are so fun and so beautiful. So share it on your social media or share it directly with your friends. That would mean the world. And if you get a chance to rate and review the show, that would be awesome. If there's anything I can do for you, you know how to find me. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you today. Go out and do something adventurous like Shelly and Louie. I am going, what am I going to do today? Oh, I'm going on a walk with a friend. So that's what I'm going to do this afternoon. I'm going on a walk with a friend and that sounds really fun to me. So you go out and do something that sounds fun to you. And we will see you Thursday with our buddy, Luke Norsworthy. Y'all have a great week. <laughs>